This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by one of our regular guests who's got a brilliant perspective on what's going on in the payer area, the insurer area. We're talking today with Jacob Emerson, who follows that area and does a remarkable job. Jacob, take a moment and tell us, what are the big issues you're watching currently in that sort of payer world? What, what, is, what is keeping your attention? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Um, so I put up this article a few weeks ago about this subgroup of unique companies within the insurance world that always seem to get a lot of attention in the media. And, and really, their whole premise is promising an industry shakeup to be disruptors within health insurance. And some have dubbed these organizations as insurtechs, um, so I-N-S-U-R-T-E-C-H-S. Um, and I guess that really comes from the combination of insurance and technology. The most notable of these are Bright Health, Oscar Health, and Clover Health. Um, Bright and Oscar mostly started to focus, they mostly started, they were focused on ACA plans. Clover was focused on Medicare Advantage, and they've all branched off since then. They were all founded in or after 2012, but the really important thing to know is that to date, none have ever turned a profit. And that's not that's not shocking to anybody who works for a traditional insurance company. Um, they'll tell you that sounds about right. But so now it's really kind of a wait and see to see if these companies can pivot in a new direction starting this year and prove to investors they can still find financial success going forward. But, but that's a fascinating thing because – if you over the last five, seven years, and I'm not sure when Oscar was founded exactly, and you probably do, but Oscar, Clover, some of these names were sort of the next big thing, the next new, new thing. And as these next new, new things came about and were, you know, everybody talked about them for a period of time, it, was, it wasn't it was um, during that same period of time, CVS, Aetna, UnitedHealth, Optum, now, Elevance, Cigna have just been like um, freight trains. They've kept on growing at a tremendous speed, even though people always talked about, well, providers will get into the insurance business, Clover Health, Oscar, et cetera, will dip into that business. But so far, these behemoths have, have withstood that pretty well, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's part of the problem for these smaller insure techs is there's these massive behemoths and you really can't wiggle your way into it because of how everything's structured. You know, we're, we're all tied employment wise to health insurance and most employers don't want to go with a new company started in 2016 over uh, Blue Cross because that's a national network and, and a much larger network. Right. But I also think to your point, you know, health systems have gone into this insurance space. Many of them own their own attached health plans. And then there's also like the Kaiser Permanentes of the world. But but for the insure techs, it's been very, very tough. I guess another name could be startup health plan. Um, and, and at one point, Bright, uh, which is up in Minnesota, they they had uh, over a million members. But as of the last the end of last year, the company has pulled out of all Medicare markets except California. It doesn't sell any plans on the ACA marketplace, and it might even be delisted from the New York Stock Exchange by this summer. Um, so not, not a great uh, current environment for them. Oscar posted a net loss of nearly $380 million, over 380 in the first three quarters of last year. Um, they've nearly abandoned their Medicare Advantage business, and they're opting to focus almost entirely on ACA marketplaces now and Clover, which again, they're, they're more of, they were always more Medicare Advantage focused. 
And they went public in 2021 um, and then posted a $250 million net loss first three quarters of last year. So, and they're also facing a federal lawsuit for misleading investors. Actually, Oscar is too for allegedly misleading investors during their IPO. Um, but just to go back to your original point, Scott, in the beginning, like Oscar, for example, I think they were 2016, 2015, we wrote about them as the quote, Uber of health insurance. So, I mean, Uber's been very successful in, in transforming, I guess, the ride-sharing taxi industry. Uh, Oscar, not so much, obviously. Um, and so, but, but it's, yeah, difficult. But it's a fascinating perspective, and it, and it does show how daunting it is, the economies of scale that are needed in insurance, all, all these types of things that drive so much of it, the big networks, the relationships with employers. I mean, it really is hard to, to crack into. And most employers, at the end of the day, only want a couple big payers they're working with. They don't want to be working exactly. with seven of them. And so you've got to exactly. find a spot and you've got to get within the, within the employer employee population a certain amount to sign up with your health plan versus the Cigna or the Aetna or the Blue Cross or whatever it might be or United. So it's so really, really interesting. In, in the Medicaid market, mm. what's fascinating is there's other behemoths in the Medicaid market. I mean, there, there's the four companies yeah. you talked about that are also big in Medicare Advantage of the programs we've talked about, the Uniteds, the Blue Crosses, the Cygnus, the Aetnas. But then in the Medicaid and the Medicaid, there's Centene, exactly, exactly. And so what do you see there? Why is Centene been able to build such big clouds in that market? Because they've really focused so much of their energies on that. How did they get to be so big in that market? Did that really, I know it wasn't overnight, but it feels like in some period of time, they became sort of dominant in that market where a few others have been able to crack into this big payer space. How did Centene do that? Any sense of that? That's a really good question, Scott. And you know, I'd have to, I'd honestly have to go back and look at kind of the history of the company itself. But I mean, they easily, I, I believe they have the most Medicare, yeah, Medicaid members of any private health insurance company. And the only reason that comes about is because uh, CMS lets states do their own Medicaid and then Medicaid contracts out with the private insurance companies. So I would imagine Centene has always had the best rates in terms of what the state governments are looking at. Um, so, so I would, but. You know, there's a lot, lot happening in Medicaid these days. Uh, April 1st, you, uh, the states can start kicking people off Medicaid. Um, they needed to, there was a three-year pause on that during the pandemic, obviously, because so many people had no employment. So that's a big deal because that's private um, insurance customers these companies will lose. And, and it's estimated to be anywhere about 15 to 18 million people nationwide over the course of about a year starting in April are going to lose Medicaid coverage. So the hope for a lot of these private insurers is to switch them over to ACA plans, which um, that kind of goes back to what are the future of the insure techs? Well, the future of both ACA markets and then also Medicare Advantage, it's very bright um, because we've we've got extended ACA premium subsidies through 2025, record high Medicare Advantage enrollment. So so we'll see kind of how this all goes. But in terms of the centenes of the world or the traditional players, they're kind of facing their own beast in terms of they're about to lose millions. Centene alone is, I believe they're going to lose 2.2 million Medicaid members. And they are, they're hoping that they can get them all switched over, at least a majority, to ACA or maybe even commercial. We'll see. But um, it's, a bi- it's a big switch. They call it the great unwinding at the federal level. 
but but that's fascinating because you're the first person that's explained that to me in a way that I now understand it. So as of April first, <laughs> the states are able to sort of like the unwind of the of the Medicaid expansion starts yeah. to happen as the right. subsidies subsidies aren't aren't quite as big for Medicaid expansion states. And then it's a matter of those, you know, will those those people, those enrollees move from there into essentially ACA plans and other kinds of plans where they'll get subsidies, yep. hopefully significant subsidies, at least help make that work. Gotcha. Exactly. So like we've we've done such a great job as a nation of bringing down the uninsured rate to about nine percent, eight to ten percent, somewhere near the lowest rate it's it's been at least lower, I think in history. Lower. Yeah, absolutely. Lower it's than about that. Eight percent. Yeah, eight percent or so. Eight, about eight percent. Uh, but hopefully it stays that way, right? Because a lot is changing this year. But it's more complicated when people have to enroll themselves into ACA mm-hmm. plans versus into into Medicaid plans. That's fascinating. So that's I've been trying to understand how these things all hold together with the PHE, the public health emergency ending, and everything else. Yeah. And now I sort of understand how there's the the, the Medicaid expansion states now mm-hmm. the ability to kick people off of Medicaid if they're above a certain income level or whatever it is the, the rules are. Exactly. And let me just note there, Scott, um, this all started back 2020, start of the pandemic. They paused. You're not allowed to kick anybody off Medicaid. So we've had three years of it. And the program grew 25%. So Medicaid in this country has grown 25% in three years. And it's all going to come to, and it's been detached from the PHE. So back in December, the, that's that's they detached it. So they said, you can start to disenroll in April. PHE will end in May. Um, so the PHE and the Medicaid redeterminations have nothing to do with each other any longer, but they did for about three years, if that makes sense. No, 100%. Fascinating. But now I sort of understand how these things are separate, but also yep. they sort of side by side, but but a big impact. But So the, the Medicaid expansion, the Medicaid issues, and not being able to kick people off of Medicaid is a totally different issue than the public health emergency. They just sort of coincide in dates, but they're, but they're very different programs, very different waivers, very different um, rules. Yep. Got yep. it. They started together. Started together. They're now separate. <laughs> Fascinating. Jacob, I always learn when I talk to you. It's my favorite thing to do, which is to learn. So I appreciate you joining us so much. I always learn something. Thank you very much for joining us today on the uh, Becker's Healthcare Podcast. This issue of these emerging insure techs that really haven't been able to really challenge the behemoths, this this now emergence of, of people, the, the growth of Centene, but also the movement of people off of Medicaid, sort of the unwinding of some of the Medicaid expansion to see what that mm-hmm. happens and where that lands people in terms of insured versus uninsured. Fascinating set of issues. Thank you for joining Same us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, Jake. Thank you very, very Thank much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it.